0: it's time for you to add value. Our guest today, Jonathan Darling. From leading teams, developing new market channels, and setting strategy for global organizations, Jonathan has developed a diverse skill set and background over the last 14 years that now allows him to work as a speaker and coach with organizations, universities, and individuals on the power of love-centered leadership. He teaches how to empower individuals to lead, not from position or title, but from their heart by truly caring for those around him. Jonathan does this by helping leaders and professionals focus on the micro moments that can have a massive impact in the lives of others. Jonathan Darling shares about leading with love and how he is impacting corporate environments when they start leading their people with love. He's inspired by community and believes we, humans, we're never meant to face things alone. He wants to inspire others to take courageous action in love. Well, Jonathan, thank you, man, for jumping on. I'm looking forward to just a great conversation.
1: Yeah, thanks thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um love love being able to hopefully bring some value wherever I can.
0: I appreciate that. So I I know one of your big deals is uh is leadership. And and so you've been uh driving force in leadership development there in Knoxville. Can you, you want to share a little bit about how that started coming about and, and what, you, what you're doing? Sure. Yeah. So,
1: you know, leadership has been a passion of mine for several years now. And, and it really started from not really knowing what leadership was. <laughs> um, I had had this idea. I, th- I had this view of what I thought it was. And the more that I started, um, the more that I started experience, experiencing that idea of, and that vision of what I had leadership was from from what I was receiving. Um, it really just it didn't feel right, if that makes sense. And you
0: Absolutely.
1: know, I'm not. I I am an emotional person. I'm I I, I I I you know I cry at commercials. It just happens, right? But But it wasn't I just didn't feel like the what I was getting that was supposedly leadership from people that I look up to and people that I wanted to emulate their careers and and what it looked like. I just didn't feel like it was really something that was that was developing me and my skills, gifts and talents to become the best me that I could. Everything always felt like it was developing me to be something or someone else. And so as I really started digging into leadership and started to do, um, a lot more research, what I, what I really found out and what I, and what I really settled on was that leadership is love. And that, and, and, and when I say that, man, m- most people, all of a sudden they, they automatically think, Oh, touchy feely, emotional, right. Cause I'm an emotional person, emotional. Uh, no, it's the action of love. It's not, the fleeting, romantic, you know, the lustful idea that we have. So, so it was, it was really like, man, I truly believe that the objective of a leader is to love and care for the people that they encounter every single day, whether it's the people that are in their direct sphere of influence or the ones that they just interact with from department to department, the people on the street, whoever it is, love and care for those people. And by using your gifts, talents, and skills in that moment to leave them better because you were there mm. than if you weren't, and and that's kind of been the that's kind of been the 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 mountain I'll, I'll die on, man. That's that's my hill, and that's what I believe. And and uh, because of that, I've I've been able to really have some incredible conversations and and to be able to help influence some change in some different areas and. Um, you know, it's it's been a it's been a five year journey that that continues to go. There's there's no end to it. It's not over yet.
0: Hmm. Yeah, as long as you're breathing, there's still opportunity. That's
1: it. As long as <laughs> as, as long as there's still people and corporations and comp- you know, all these different things that believe that leadership is about title, power, position, status. There's there's a conversation to be had to get an understanding of where they're coming from and then hopefully help influence them to see the, the immense responsibility that they have Mm -hmm. um, and the privilege that they have to steward other people. And so it's, as long as, man, as long
0: as that's still out there, I'm still rocking and rolling. There you go. Well, it, it really,
1: you know,
0: for me, and I had a leader in our church environment, you know, my background is, is pastoral and, and, helping him see the difference between management and leadership. Right. You know, management sees people as as pawns on the on the playing board and, and you're just moving the pawns around to make, make production happen or make whatever yep. you know they're they're finishing. Whereas whereas leadership, you know, cares about people. And yep. And so I you know lead with love is just is such a fantastic um, way to phrase that that root idea of the difference between leadership and management.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, my, my faith is incredibly important to me. And the greatest example of leadership we have is Jesus. It's, hmm. the, it's the greatest example we have, but we don't, but oftentimes we look at that within, within a context of the Bible. And we talk about, oh, we need to love other people. We need to do, we need to do all these things. And we think that that is because society has told us, Hey, keep your religion in your lane, right? Like don't bring it anywhere else. And so we don't evangelize to people at work. We don't talk about Jesus at work. We don't talk about those things, but here's the thing. There was never an avenue that Jesus said, Hey, only love people the way I'm telling you to love people here. (laughs) He didn't say that. He, Jesus loved everybody the same way everywhere. That's why people followed him, because he used his gifts, talents, and skills that he was given from God to come to earth, to heal people, to bless people, to speak, to engage with people that nobody else would engage with, not to tell them how horrible they were, right? Mm -hmm. Not to tell them that they need to improve, not to tell them that their metrics aren't meeting up, their production aren't meeting up, but to sit there and go, hey, what's, what's wrong? Don't you know how valuable you are? Don't you know how loved you are? Don't you know how special and incredibly made you were? Hey, I I want you to know how that you're better than what you're doing. And I'm going to love you until you see your value and you start acting in the way that you were created. And that, that's a totally different aspect, right? And so to me, love and leadership, it's just actually loving. It's It's leading people the way Jesus led people holding them accountable, instilling incredible self-belief inside of them, understanding that they have these things, right? The Bible says, Jesus said, when I leave, like all these miracles and everything that I've done, you're going to do even greater things than this. So he's instilling this purpose, this, this feeling of power, this feeling of, of being able to go out and do amazing, incredible things. And he's instilling that that belief into his disciples so that they could go out and act in the way that they were created. Hmm. That's all leaders are supposed to do. They're supposed to see their people, hold them accountable to the greatness that they were created by. And then, and then give them be that catalyst for self-belief so that they could go out and, and, and operate and live and perform in their created aspect.
0: Hmm. That's it. That's it. That's so good. Well, and you mentioned love, right? The emotional love and, 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 and the way our culture wants to define love, but Jesus defined love in a way that he commanded that we love our enemies. Right. right? And so that's 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 not the same kind of love. Right. That That's a, a specific a specific love in 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 how you think about people and how you treat people. And and it works, you know, whether you're whether you're married to that person or you're working with that person or you're competing Against that person, yep. You could that love that love can cross all of those, all of those ranges, and I, and I don't think there's a lot of people teaching it out there in that way, right? And and yep. talking to people in in the way that you are, and and I think it's important in business that that especially now, <laughs> right? That yeah. that we start to value people, um, yep. and I think entrepreneurs are going to be the the greatest solution to. Some of these big challenges that are coming up in our culture that's creating so much division and 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 trying to increase the gaps between people, whereas now we have this opportunity to close the gap. And entrepreneurs are the ones that are saying, "Whoa, you know, they're the ones that are agile enough to to make right. some of these shifts. They're the ones that are recognizing, you know, what I was created for a purpose, and that purpose is to serve humanity in this in this way. Yep. And and when entrepreneurs get fired up and and can serve humanity. In, in a way that adds value to, to everybody that they're interacting with, whether they're a client, a competitor, or, you know, just the guy across the street, that that's the love that, that you're talking about. And, and I really, really like the language that you're using.
1: I, I appreciate it. it, it <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible to me. Think about this, because here's the thing when, when I have conversations like this and see, I get fired up about it. Like, cause it just, it bur- like it, it is the gasoline to my fire, right? Like this is what I love. We we have conversations about these, and I, I a few weeks ago I was out in Vegas, and I was sitting in a conference room with with high level executives from Coke, Pepsi, Procter and Gamble, Cargill, all all these different companies, and they were talking about the challenges that they have in labor and and. <laughs> all these labor shortages. And we were kind of having this round Robin and everybody was going around and everybody's was just the same. And they were like, well, but we we're paying them more. We're doing this and we're blah, 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 all of them. And I'm talking about Smithfield foods, Tyson, tons, like big name people. Right. And then I'm sitting in the room, which I, I was just laughing. So I'm sitting in there and it comes around and it gets to me. And I said, Hey guys, um, I know i'm the new guy in the room it's like i hear all of you talking about all of these things from these labor challenges and not being able to keep people not being able to find people to come work at for your companies all these different things it's like i, I, I hear all of it and i said you know because people want to argue with the whole idea of loving and caring for your people as if it's what well, we give them and i, I had a guy say what well, we give them Foosball tables, and like, what are we supposed to do? Give them free pizzas and nap pods all the time? Like, and I was like, no, I was like, look, I'm not talking about giving them things like that, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I said, but here's the reality. And this is the truth. Right now, we're going through what they call the great resignation, mm. right? And here's the reality Gallup did a poll, um, I think it was last year, two years ago, but th- there's these numbers are still ringing true. of the working force in the United States hate their jobs, not dislike, not they're kind of okay, hate their jobs. Hmm. And here's the reason why. According to the poll, the reason why they hate their jobs is because they believe that they work for companies that do not love and care about them. And so you've got a a majority because of this, the the statistical numbers that then show active disengagement, right? So there's actively disengaged employees. I believe it's over 60%. Then there's just disengaged. And then there's engaged, right? And and the disengaged and actively disengaged. So a majority of that 88% are actively disengaged from their employer and they're looking for a new job. Okay. So that's, that's the truth. That's the numbers. Numbers don't lie. People like to numbers don't lie. So there's the truth. So, so the question I always have is if we know if the data supports that it's not paying them more money, it's not foosball tables, it's not free lunches, it's not all of these surface level things. But if the if the if the numbers show that the reason why people are leaving your company which causes 500 billion dollars a year companies spend on recruitment training of new employees right mm-hmm. and then they lose them then isn't it time isn't it time that we actually listen to what our employees are saying isn't it time that we actually take them seriously when they say that we want to feel love and care for and what, is, what does that look like It looks like giving them an idea for the future, giving them some sort of plan that's going to show how they can progress through your company, showing them how they're a part of your company, how their position, their small position, it might be the janitor, the small position, this janitor, how he plays in the overall impact of the company because he creates a, cr- a clean environment hmm. where people can come and be safe and not get sick. Right. There's all these things. So build a purpose and behind their position, right? Purpose behind position. That's it's huge. Hold people accountable to greatness. We've got We've got an absolute pandemic. We want to talk about a pandemic. I'm going to tell you about an epidemic hmm. the epidemic is, is that we live, this is a quote and I don't know who it's by, but it's true. I believe it's the epidemic that we're living through. We live in a world that celebrates mediocrity. Mm. Mm. So why are we allowing people who were created for greatness by greatness to be mediocre? Accountability is a huge part of loving and leading people because you understand their created value. You, You understand what they were created to do. So there needs to be accountability to greatness, not mediocrity, not just hitting numbers, right? And and there's all these things that we can do that will absolutely change. What loving your people does is it changes your culture. It's no longer talking about we care about our people and the mission statement and the vision statement up on the wall and having these core values that nobody follows. It's about the core foundation of what we do is we care about our people. There's a guy by the name... um, uh, he owns Barry Wade Miller. Bob Chapman. Bob Chapman talks about truly human leadership. And Bob Chapman says that his company, which is one of the, uh, you know, multi-billion dollar privately owned company, manufacturing company, he says, we don't build equipment. We develop incredible people hmm. who do incredible things. And that, but you can, everybody can continue down their path or we can change. And it's hard. Change is hard. I get it. It's not easy. But what do you want? You want to keep having labor shortages or do you want to have people evangelical about your mission that are banging down the door of your company because they hear what it's like to
0: work for your company? Hmm. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's simple. And yet, you know, for these companies, it sounds impossible, right? Like because <laughs> it's a it's a it's a paradigm
1: shift, right? It's a, it's a, I've looked at the world of business like this. Now I'm looking at it like this and it it's, it takes an active intentional change in the mentality of how we view work. And that's, what's difficult. It's, it's, you're changing a belief system.
0: Well, and, and it's really, this is, this is really the same shift that, that happened when our country ended slavery, because because we're treating we're treating humans as capital and, and corporations now are, are treating humans as capital and, right. and, and only seeing, you know, we pay them this much, they cause, you know, they produce this much and, and only seeing that, you know, in the numbers. Right. And, and they've lost the humanity.
1: Yeah. And with the, and what the, what the great re- resignation is, is doing right now to the workforce, Um, you know, I was, I was looking at some, some numbers within the consumer product goods market, you know, uh, the consumer product goods market is growing at about 8.9% from a consumption standpoint from, from our consumers, right? Um, the challenge that they're, that we're having in the consumer product goods market is that I think right now, so I think last month they filled about 6,000 jobs, in the consumer product goods market uh, uh, across north america we're still about 140,000 jobs short so we're operating at a at a at a shortage you know and and so we're seeing right all these supply chain issues the supply chain disruption right now there's 80 boats 80 ships with over like 800,000 containers out in the out in the water that can't get into port well, why can't they get into port? Well, because there's not enough people out there to actually take, that, take all the containers off. Then we don't have enough drivers to actually drive them to the distribution locations. We don't have enough people at the distribution locations to actually unload the containers and then to get them shipped. So it's right now, the disruption is, is not the manufacturers. It's the lack of people because people have been like, look. I'm not going to go and live through another pandemic where everybody thought the world was going to end and everything's horrible. People are reevaluating their time and their and what they want to be doing. You see a lot of people who are just quitting jobs because they can do things and work from home and make just as much money, but they have more fulfillment. You have people actually seeking fulfillment more than they do financial substance.
0: Hmm. That's so good, right? Because really it it is, right? You're recognizing that I don't have to do a job that I hate, and nope. and I don't have to do a job that that doesn't care about me. Um, and so, that that's the transition that these companies need to make is that your your people, if they if they buy into the vision, and they believe that you care about them, are gonna it's gonna change. They won't need as many employees first of all because the employees that they engage are gonna be fully engaged.
1: Yep, right. they're going to so be operating at a very high level.
0: Just imagine engaging the workforce, right?
1: <laughs> and, and that's like 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 there are statistics out there. I actually did a big research project on this, um, and, and and wrote a wrote a uh, pretty extensive paper on this. I mean, I, I think it's like there's a seven percent increase in production within within like if you're in a manufacturing facility, a seven percent increase in production. Um, if you can get people to actually start believing that you care about them. So just by, just by that shift, you've got a 7% increase in production, but there's other things that go with it. Like the, there's a reduction in waste because people are actually paying attention to what they're doing. So they're not screwing up as much, right? There's a, there's a, uh, an increase in profitability to the company. So there's all these things. And, and what's interesting now too is, the the job force market is very similar to the housing market like so the housing market here in knoxville we have about 150 families that are moving to knoxville every day okay crazy well we don't have the inventory for homes so it's a seller's market here right because there's way more people moving here than have the ability to to move into a home so if i wanted to sell my home my home value just drastically increased Like for all the company owners out there, you are not in this special position where you're the only one that has open jobs. There are so many open jobs out there on the market and jobs that are willing to let people work from home, remote work, all this stuff. People can almost go and find jobs anywhere. There is a surplus of jobs with a limited amount of people who are actually seeking out these jobs. So if you're not taking care of your people, if you're not loving them, caring about them, helping develop them, giving them a purpose behind their position, they can go find somewhere else to go very easily because everybody needs people. And it's funny, the greatest asset to manufacturing or to skilled work today in America, the greatest asset is not our technology. It's not our website. It's not the product that we're building. The greatest asset is people today because we can't find them and we can't
0: keep them. Well, and there has to be a reason that we can't find them and we can't keep them. Yep. Right. And it's, and it's easy to blame the government, right? That's, that's the, (laughs) we're victims of, we're victims of COVID. We're victims of the government. We're victims of all these solutions that everybody's created rather than, rather than asking the question, um, what can we do?
1: Right, right. And it starts with us anyway, right? It, it, it is always started with us.
0: <laughs> well, the, the, I think, you know, that's the one thing entrepreneurs that are successful figure out, right? Yep. It's a hundred percent my responsibility. There are no, there are no scapegoats. I can't blame my sister. I can't blame the government. I can't blame my dad. You know, I I can't blame the culture. I mean, you can, but nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to care when you close your right. business and, and you know shutter things up but obviously more and more the the corporate disregard of people is is growing which is creating this you know this this quitting field um because because they're looking for better options and the better options aren't about better pay right i mean i think the better options are about you know do you care do you care about me you know so for entrepreneurs that are building their business, you know, how can you better care for people?
1: Yeah. Well, and, and you know, for me, l- learning this lesson was interesting for me because I actually lived, when people don't understand their value, their created value, it's really hard for them to understand how to value other people. Hmm. Um, Or how to, or how to not live off of the perceived value that other people see them in. Mm. Wow. And that was something that I battled for a long time. I didn't understand my created value because I didn't understand who created me. Mm. And so because of that, I was constantly searching and seeking for value from my wife, my job my uh you know people that i work for all all of these different things and it was all very empty which which kind of perpetuated this constant searching for someone to love me someone to care about me um which i think sometimes which i think is is the caveat to the other side right like you have to understand you you have to understand your created value and that that your value really only comes from one place. Hmm. And so if you're constantly seeking it from the earthly world, um, you're going to miss out on a lot of things because you're going to live a life of offense and a life of disappointment because you have this expectation that people will value you as much as what you think you are. You should be. People are always going to let you down. And so, you know, so all of a sudden you start creating this story for yourself that you're not valuable because the world doesn't view you as valuable. So you must not have that much to give to the world. And, and it, and it puts you in this perpetual cycle of, of frustration and disappointment and offense, um, which I think is the other, the other side of the coin, right? Not putting it all on the on the people that we work for and not all on our leaders, but understanding how to lead ourselves a little bit too that, hey, I don't I don't need to find I don't need to get value from people. I need to get value from from the one who created me because that's where all my value comes from anyway. Right. Um, So I, I think there's that that other side to it that that once you understand that about yourself, um, which is really difficult for some people um, it allows you to kind of kind of take your blinders off a little bit and see the world for what it is um, so that you can make, you can make decisions a little bit better. And then, and then what, as, as you do that, then to your point, the earlier, the love your enemies, you no longer have enemies. <laughs> you just see people as people who don't understand their value and they they're making decisions without understanding the value and who they were created to be and their decisions aren't lining up with who they were created to be. They're lining up with their earthly perception of themselves, which is totally different.
0: Sure. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Add Value to Life Coaching and their Inner Circle Team Coaching with a new team forming in January. Limited seats are available. Apply during the month of December to be a part of this group coaching program. It can be found at Add value number two, life.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. There are differences, right? There, 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 you know, we right now everybody's emphasizing the differences, right? There's there's male and female and white and black and and you know all these other minority groups and and, and we're our culture is trying to divide us and mm-hmm. and focus on focus on the differences. Um, rather than having this innate curiosity about, you know, how does that difference make us better? Right. right? You know, how can I learn from what's different about you than, than what's different about me? And, and I think the opportunity to love a perceived enemy, right. Love somebody that's been separated from me, that there's a gap between us. Um, I, I think curiosity can allow us to close that gap. And, and curiosity comes from caring, right? From truly wanting to know. And I think that employers have an opportunity, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's this interesting divide that, that gets created between management and, and employees. And yet they all wake up with the same problems. They all have, you know, dealing with their family. They all put on their pants the same way there. They all stop at Starbucks and grab their coffee on their way into work. and, And yet our world's created this this system where, oh, management's up here and, you know, the people are down here, but in reality, they're no different. Nope. (laughs) Right? Not at all. And and every person on that work floor could absolutely be management. You know, I think we love the story of the janitor going, you know, becoming the CEO. But the reason the janitor can do that is because he's figured out his story, right? He's figured out his value and and the the story he tells himself is that i'm capable of of being that person and yep. and in his humanity right in his humanity he realizes that i've got everything within me to do the things that the ceo does and i think that companies need to to recognize the humanity of of every level right of their yep. people and and adding value is going to happen by, by caring, you know, even the CEO at that, that learns his people's names and, and asks about their family and, you know, Hey, what did you, what did you do this weekend? Right. Those are, those are the things we ask when we're, you know, sitting around the water cooler or we're sitting at the bar with the, with our coworkers. And those are the people that we feel um, care about us the most because they're the ones that ask, you know, well, Hey, how's the wife? Hey, how's the, how's the kids? And yep. it's a, it's not just, you know, it's not just a conversation starter. It's really a genuine, you know, Hey, I want to know, I want to know how you, how are you, how are you doing? Right. Right. Instead of that hallway, Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Oh, yeah, fine. Fine. Right. We all just expect to say fine and, and move on right. you know, rather than the opportunity, you know? So I think, you know, and I think the challenge, especially for companies that are so focused on production that the numbers game is more important than an employee that takes, you know, five minutes to have a conversation and, yep. and really feel like somebody's listened and, 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 cared about them and, and was, you know, is involved in their life at a level different than, you know, boss. Hey, make sure you make 10 of those this hour versus, right. you know, Hey, you made nine, but we had a great conversation. It's all good. Yep. Well, right. and, and understanding that,
1: you know, I talk about this idea of micro moments, massive impact and the the idea really started with with this just absolutely having disdain for the idea of random acts of kindness. Like I just <laughs> like I, I'm known as the love and leadership guy. And then when people hear me say that I absolutely hate the idea of random acts of kindness, people are like, what? Oh, I'm I get like, it. I get it. I'm like, look, if, if we're only randomly kind to random people at random times, then what are we being to everybody else the rest of the time? What happened to intentionality? Right. Like, in like <clears throat> understanding that those moments of interaction for a random act to happen, again, goes back to my faith. That's an intentional opportunity to use my gifts, talents, and skills to love someone right where they are right there in that moment. And, and it's, it's how Jesus loved. Like, like I'm, I'm currently writing a book called micro moments, massive impact. And, and the idea of it is, is how do we learn to love like Jesus? How do we learn to love like Jesus people? Lo- Jesus would walk into a town and he would see somebody, his healing of people, the miracles that he performed, were not these grandiose acts. They were right there in that moment as he was passing by and he spit on the dirt, made mud, wiped it on the dude's eye. Dude could see. Him telling the lame, hey, stand up, get your mat and go home. Small little intentional moments. The lady coming through, touching his garment. And this is what I love about that story. Jesus was going somewhere else. He had a schedule he was keeping, a priority he was keeping, but he realized that that interaction with that lady was way more important than his schedule mm. or his perceived have to. He was like, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, wait a second, oh Jesus, we don't have time to wait we've got to go the 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 person's dying we got we got to go, you got to get there so you can heal him he goes, "No no, 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 no somebody needs me right here, right so Jesus put down his cell phone. <laughs> Had his eyes open to the world around him, and healed right where he was at. he, he it was a small micro moment. So, we have these opportunities. So, the, so the book that I'm writing is focusing on the random people that we encounter every day, our work area, and at home. And in our work areas, the the micro moments that we have to love and care for people because that's that's a big. It's a big, sh- like people think, oh man, I got to love and care of my people. I got to, I got to put a couch in my office now so people can come and share their life stories with me and all these things, right? Like it's got to be this big, no, no, no. It's about being intentional in the small little moments of interaction that you have to use your gifts, count- talents, and skills to be right there in that moment and, 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 and listen for the opportunity that you get to love someone. Mm-hmm. And so it's that same thing. It's, it's that. Man, you notice something is off about Sally. So you go, "Hey, Sally, how are you today? Oh, I'm fine. right? And I always tell people this, don't ask a question that you don't really want to know the answer to. Just stop like sincerity is a big deal. Like let's like it comes from the heart. So if you're gonna ask somebody, "Hey, how are you doing today?" Actually want to know the answer. <laughs> So, Sally, how are you today? I'm fine. Hey, Sally, I'm serious. How are you today? Like, are you okay? Well, I'm having some stuff going on at home. Hey, do you want to talk about it? No, no, I don't want to talk about it right now. All right, well, hey, Sally, just know, like, hey, we love you. If you need somebody to talk to, just let me know, right? And And I'll clear some time for you. That small moment makes Sally feel like, wow, she has somebody to talk to. You talk about the CEO who knows the people's names. Oh my gosh, such a small little thing that makes a massive impact in somebody's life that they feel like they know who I am, right? There was a story about this doctor. He was, um, he was the one that, uh, he was the doctor that, uh, did the first heart transplant and, uh, there was a study being done and they had this person in, I I believe from John Hopkins, uh, that might not be right. Um, but they had this, uh, this student in who was shadowing him. So the doctor would come in and, and every day he would stop at the janitor and he would say, he would talk with the janitor. And there was just something different about this hospital And so the student wanted to know, well, what does he, what does this janitor do? Like, why is this janitor so important that the doctor talks to him every single day? So the student went up to the janitor and said, hey, what do you, what do you do here? And the janitor looked at the student and said, oh, and I can't remember the doctor's name. Well, the doctor and I, we save people's lives. She's like, what do you mean? We, it's like, yeah, we save people's lives. See, that janitor was made to feel so important because the job that he does drastically reduces the risk of infection in hospitals. But he was made to feel so important that his, the purpose behind his position was to help save the life just like the doctor was. That conversation every day, instilling that purpose in his position, was a small moment every day. Made a massive impact in the way that that guy showed up and the way that he performed. Loving people. not a grand act it's an intentional choice in a small moment and that's that's how we do it that's how jesus did it it's it's if if we want to know how to love like jesus loved then we just need to actually watch how he did it and then that's what we do i don't know i to me it's 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 not easy it's it it's it's simple it's very simple but it's not easy because it's a shift in how we live our we live our lives now in this, all about me, all about my what I want, all about self, self made, self, you know, self-ease, self-checkout. Everything's about making it convenient for me. And leadership is anything but convenient. Because mm-hmm. when you're dealing with other people, it can't be. It's uncomfortable sometimes. It's it's extremely inconvenient because we have to be willing to put away our priorities, our schedules, and put them to the side so that we can serve the people right there in front of us because they're the priority. So mm-hmm. it's a priority shift, and that's it's difficult.
0: Absolutely. Well, and and you know that that janitor thing is everybody's like, oh, it's a cute story, but it's true. Like even the janitor. I'm, we go, we always said on, on staff at a church that the janitor is the most important person in the church. Nobody's yep. coming back to a church that has dirty bathrooms. Yep. Nobody's coming back to a church that has stains on the floor, dirt on the walls. Like they're just not going to come back. Um, and they might miss their opportunity to have a relationship. The hospital same way, obviously none of us are going into a hospital. If it don't smell clean, we're, we're turning around and walking out. Yep. Right. And, and so it, it is absolutely. And, and obviously a company's hired people for a reason. But do they tell the people that reason? <laughs> right. You're important to this company because, you know, you're not just filling a seat taking a paycheck. You're you're doing something to the company's bottom line that matters. Yeah. And, and and how cool is it if the company communicates that and and has you involved and has you feel like at the core level I'm I'm part of the team saving lives um i heard a language shift the other day just the language shift and it's easy to think about in sports right so your sports team when when your local sports team wins it's we won you know everybody talks about we won when your local sports team loses they lost yeah. <laughs> right and so you think about that in your in your work environment and as soon as people can transition from you know they don't care about us to we're in this together right that that well, language weird. shift you know is is what you, is what a company's after right right you want the whole team on the same side you want them to feel like they belong and and that's what you you're talking about with with knowing their their mission right their 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 position behind their purpose right yeah it's like great it's like greg popovich like I, and i think greg popovich
1: um you know head coach of the san antonio spurs I think he's one of the coolest examples you could ever use in, in, in leadership because the Spurs had a dynasty, a dynasty, and you could argue they had a dynasty with their big three was not the same type of all-star big three as like what LeBron is playing with right now with LeBron and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, like the top of their right positions. Now, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, you know uh, Tim Duncan they Tim Duncan is was the elite of the elite on that team right Kawhi Leonard was still young when they won their last one but here's what I think is interesting if if you actually listen to stories of, of Greg Popovich and what he does Tim Duncan talked about a lot when when Tim Duncan was drafted to the San Antonio Spurs Greg Popovich would would have dinner with him quite often right Flew down to, uh, I think it was, uh, Jamaica or wherever, um, um, uh, Trinidad, Tobago, I think is where Tim Duncan's from, but he, he flew down there, had a conversation with him. Um, but they started going, they started going out like they would have dinner together and Greg Popovich learned what type of wine Tim Duncan loved. And so Greg Popovich would like sent, like bring wine, like his favorite wine to his house. And he's and. And there's stories about Tim Duncan with each one of his players that he would spend this intentional time with, right? And the connection that they had with Tim Duncan and uh, or that Greg had with Tim Duncan and Tony and Manu and all these other players, were, they became a family, right? And we, t- we talk about this, oh, we're a family. Oh, this is, work. this is my work family and all this. But are they really? Because are you spending intentional time with each other, right? Or and, and I always thought that that was so interesting. That it was like, look, they created a dynasty. And they were beating teams that they should not have been beating to win championships. But they were doing it because they, there, was a, there was a connection, right? There was a bridge from one of them to another. And it was because Greg Popovich, Coach Popovich, created that bridge. Now, and I could sit here and say, you know, I could hear a CEO being like, I've got 600 employees. How can I, if I'm spending intentional one-on-one time with 600 employees, I'll never have time to do anything. True. My expectation, Mr. CEO, is not for you to spend intentional time with 600 of your employees, but who are the six that report directly to you? Start modeling that intentional time with them and then set the expectation That of those six, the 10 people each that report to them, you're going to be setting intentional time. Mm. It has to start at the top. And so, so you're just cascading down the expectation of how the relationships with those that report to you should look like. And it's intentional time. It's getting to know them. It's getting to understand their challenges. It's getting to understand their dreams. What are they wanting to accomplish? And here's the thing, Mr. CEO. Most people aren't working at their company because the dream is to work at your company. (laughs) They're working at your company so that they can accomplish the dream that they have. It might be that vacation home. It might be that whatever that looks like. What are you doing? Do you know what that dream is? And what are you doing to help them achieve it? Hmm. And if you, if you model that from the top, and that becomes the expectation of the interactions that you want your people to have, what it'll do, <clears throat> excuse me, it'll create those interactions. But it will also weed out the people who aren't supposed to be with your company.
0: Oh, so good. So that's there's stream management and leadership, right?
1: Totally. Management
0: fires people, you know, because leadership's willing to fire people that don't belong, that aren't the right fit and yep. and and help them find the right fit. Like, you know what, your gifts and talents are better suited to this and and we're letting you go, which, you know, firing's a terrible thing for most people, but the truth is you you don't belong here.
1: Yep. You and belong you're still choosing else. love right? Absolutely. You're in love with that person so that they can find an environment that's going to be better for them because they don't want to be a part of what you're building. And that's a choice by them. But you're also showing your love of the rest of your people mm-hmm. because you're willing to protect them from those that aren't willing to go the same direction.
0: Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. All right. We're going to change it up a little bit. What's sure. uh, What was your most memorable date with your wife?
1: Oh, my most memorable
0: date, uh, pre-married
1: or married. That's your call. <laughs> so we had, uh, oh man, there's two. So
0: you can share two.
1: Yeah. So when we first got married, um, so I'm, I'm a Notre Dame fan. My wife is from Southern California. She's a USC fan. Um, still pray for her. Every day, <laughs> my Jesus. Um, and so, uh, her parents were still living in California. So, uh, Thanksgiving, I think of 20, 2010, we flew out to California for Thanksgiving and she surprised me with USC and Notre Dame tickets.
0: Mm.
1: Now, Notre Dame had gotten their butt kicked, um, the last few years and we actually won that game. So, there I was in the USC student section with all my Notre Dame gear on. It was incredible. It was <laughs> one of the coolest moments ever. Um, the other one was, um, uh, it was my birthday, 2017 and, uh, I'd never been to New York. New York was a, the, the, the New York was a dream to me. It was a place, you know, that I'm, I, it was just a dream. It was, I never thought I'd ever go there. And, uh, but you know, in in the way I grew up, just having dreams just wasn't a, wasn't a thing for us. Right. Um, And so she was like, it was like a week before my birthday. She was like, well, what do you want to do for your birthday? I was like, I don't know. Let me think about it. Well, I I travel a ton and it's like, man, I got all these sky miles points. I got all these hotel points. Let's go to New York. And so I just booked it for us and then called her and was like, Hey, got kids taken care of. We're good to go. We're going to New York. Um, and that weekend, it was, it was a weekend where we flew out Friday morning, flew back late Sunday night. Um, it was one of the coolest 72 hours we've ever spent together and just, mm-hmm. um, it's now a place that we go. We just took our daughter, our oldest daughter there and, and New York became my wife and I's place. Like that's where we just love to go and spend time and, um, then being able to take my daughter there, um. was, was a dream for her. She was asking for it since she was seven. So her 10th birthday, we just took her and, uh, yeah, but that was just that time of, of her and I being able to live a dream together of going to New York was,
0: um, was pretty incredible. Nice. Yeah. So what do you, what do you love to do in your free time with your family? (laughs) Um, well,
1: my wife would tell you my hobbies have hobbies. Um, so, (laughs) Yeah, uh, so we we do a lot. Um, I do a lot. Uh, I, I'm still very active. Um, I run uh, quite a bit. I do a lot of that stuff. But it's interesting where COVID was horrible for a lot of people, and and I'm not like I'm not downplaying like like I lost some family members due to COVID. Like um, there was a lot of hard times. It was probably the greatest time for our family. Mm. Um, because I was off the road. We had just adopted our son um, and he had just kind of moved in. So there was a lot of building of new relationships and um, we started hiking and renting cabins up in the Smoky Mountains. And And we would go up for a weekend and hang out and go hike and do all these things. And um, that became something that we just loved doing. So we, we've got a uh, here in a few weeks, We we've got a cabin we've rented. We're going to go up and spend the weekend in a cabin up in, up in Gatlinburg, up in the Smokies and, um, just kind of disconnect a little bit. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of what we do right now we're in sports season. So we've got, you know, wrestling and, and football just ended and, um, gymnastics and cheerleading and ballet. And so, um, we kind of do this dance throughout the week. So we make sure to be really intentional on our weekends to spend that time together.
0: And that's, that's what we love to do nice yeah obviously we've talked a lot about connection and and the value of of connection um how how can people better connect like you know entrepreneurs collaborations you know businesses from ceo to to janitor you know what 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 would you what are the tools you you'd you'd suggest for making better connections
1: yeah wow that's a I've never been asked that question before. Um, That's a really good question. You know, I think the way that I would answer that is you have to understand at, at at the granular level of things, we were created for really two things, in my opinion. We were created to love And we were created to be in relationship
0: Hmm.
1: from the very beginning of time. um, Eve was created not because Adam needed a helper. There's a misconception there. Adam was created in the image of God. God is love. Adam was created to be love. There was no one suitable, there was nothing suitable for Adam to give his love to. So he needed Eve. Eve wasn't created to love Adam. Eve was created so that Adam had something to give his love to. So from the beginning of time, Adam was created to love and to be in relationship. He was in relationship with God and he was in relationship with Eve. The relationship was so that Adam could be love, to give love. And that through that love, that they could thrive on this planet. Not just survive, but thrive. So, I think for me, when, when I think about people, people were, were created to be in relationship with one another. And when we understand that I always tell people we have this, we're all, we all share the same purpose and that, and that's it. Our purpose is to be in relationship with one another to love and care about them so that each other, so that we can thrive as a people, because your gifts that you have when matched with mine, when matched with my wife's, what, how it all plays together. That's how we create the world that we want to live in. Hmm. So I would just, what I would say is start viewing people as a precious gift. Hmm. (coughs)
0: Excuse me. And that's what I'd say. That's so good. Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent that a, we were created on purpose you know, and our, and our purpose is to serve humanity in some way. And right. And when you figure that out and you, you do it well, it's, it's, you, you become an entrepreneur because right. you can get compensated for serving humanity with your gifts and talents. And, and it, and it can create, right. I, we are creative beings, not just, we're not just designed to create little mini us's, but we're, we're designed to right. be creative and be connected to the creator in a way that, that creates solutions. Um, and I, and I think that's so powerful, right? Just to start to view other humans as an opportunity for you to use your gifts and talents to increase their value. Um, yep. so, so terrific. All right. What, uh, what's the big dream, Jonathan? So the big dream for me, um, is,
1: uh, I believe my calling is to write, speak and, and consult and coach for a living. Um, I I believe I was, I was created to be an encourager Mm -hmm. of people and, uh, you know, I get to do a little bit of that now. I still have a day job, which, uh, I always say my day job is my financial aid to my dream. There you go. Um, and I, and I I do my day job with everything that I have. Right. Um, I give it, I, 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 believe excellence is something that we were created to be not just, you know, so I do, I do my stuff with excellence. Um, but the big dream is, uh, um, that one day f- for my income and, and what I'll be doing in my life is, is being able to travel around and speak and, you know, whether that's at churches or, or with organizations or whatever it is, but to go and speak and encourage to be able to write. Um, so I'm, I'm writing a book now. I've got a children's book that's being illustrated and it's probably going to come out hopefully early next year. Um, and then be able to go and work with companies and, and start to um, really help move forward this, this change in, in culture um, and how we lead people. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I I believe, I, I I think it was a dream given to me for a reason. I I believe, I believe we're all given dreams Mm. and they're given to us for a reason because we're supposed to do something about them. Amen. So that's fantastic. um, So that's what I wake up for every day is, is, you know, if I can't encourage people on a, on a huge stage right now, then I get to encourage every single person that I encounter, right? Mm-hmm. I get to, I get to encourage this girl at, at McDonald's last week. I had to go give some blood, came out. It was like, had to be fasted. I was hungry. I don't normally go get a chicken biscuit, but I was like, I'm going to go get a chicken biscuit, <laughs> go through the drive-thru and, I, and she was like, Hey, how are you today? I was like, I'm fantastic today. It's like, today's going to be an incredible day. How are you? And she just looked at me and she goes, what are you on? <laughs> and I was like, nothing. I'm, I'm just, I'm just excited to be alive today. And she was like, I don't think like you, she goes, I, I just, I woke up this morning and was like, oh, it's just another day. And I said, I said, and, and, you know, we got cars behind us and I'm like, Oh, I, I'm not driving away on this. I said, I said, you know what? If you wake up and think I'm going to have an uh, day, you will. I was like, but I woke up knowing today was going to be incredible. So it will. And so if I don't get to do it on a big stage, I'll I'll do it. Each person I interact
0: with. Absolutely. That's terrific. I sure appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation. Appreciate you sharing. And uh, it was terrific. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you enjoy the show, please like subscribe and leave a review. We have a free gift for you add value, the number two entrepreneurs.com. Our cyber December deals include one hour coaching slots for only $97. That's a 75% savings. And we're launching new inner circle team coaching in 2022. Applications are open in December at add value, the number two life.com. In our next episode, a recording of our 60th episode celebration where we invited all of our previous guests to a virtual party just to say thanks. We had classical piano, teachings about the basics of organization with some great tips for getting started, and a wonderful self-hypnosis session to spark creativity on demand. We had prizes and balloons, and Noel and Robert answered questions about their business and their podcast.